0: Baskerville Burroughs. I'm the Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Indianapolis.
1: And I'm Brian Sellers-Peterson and amongst other things I um, am the Agrarian Mission in the Diocese of Olympia and uh, also get to serve as a consultant to the Good News Gardens um, of the Episcopal Church.
0: This is Spade, Spoon, Soul, a podcast about all the ways our food intersects with our faith from seed to spade, to spoon, and today our guests are a couple of farmer priests, Lisa Ransom and Rachel Field from Mission Farm. We're looking forward to these two being on this podcast for a long time, so I want to tell you a little bit about them. The Reverend Lisa Ransom is the executive director of the farm. She grew up in the arms of the Rocky Mountains in Boulder, Colorado, and found her home in the Green Mountains. Mary. She and her husband Scott worked together to build soil and care for the earth through a small business focused on soil health and compost. Building on compost is always a good thing. While they were building their business, Lisa served in a variety of capacities across the Episcopal Church in Vermont. And she is an avid weaver and loves outdoor yoga, followed by a cup of coffee. The Reverend Rachel Field is a farm priest and she comes to Mission Farm having spent most of her life in the Tidal Flats of the eastern shore of Maryland. Not a lot of mountains there, where the blue crabs and herons captivated her attention. The fascination with the world led her to a deeper questions about God and eventually encouraged her to shape a life close to the land here where she serves in Vermont. Working alongside the land community in Roxbury, she is engaging in regenerative agriculture and eco-spirituality with her husband and their dog Frodo and their beloved milk cow, Mocha. I understand that there are also pigs and horses around, so we'll look (laughs) forward to hearing more about that. So welcome, Lisa and Rachel. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer.
1: We have a question we always like to start with. Where are you rooted? What place or community or even state of mind are you rooted? So, Lisa, why don't you go?
2: Hmm, where am I rooted? Um, uh, today, I'm, I'm rooted um, in Killington, Vermont, where I just came down off of um, the trails that we've uh, had some amazing volunteers working on this season um, that are so full of moss um deep, beautiful, and this time of year for some reason, like almost fluorescent green moss. And um I'm just so fascinated by it. And I think probably part of that is because I grew up in the Rocky Mountains where um where there is not a lot of moss. There are a lot of rocks and there are a lot of sharp rocks. And so the mosses up above um and, and really in New England, but particularly here at Mission Farm are like Soft pillows on our feet, so I, I love walking barefoot up there, and um, I just took the dogs for a walk, so like right in this moment, that is where I'm rooted. Yeah.
0: That's great, Lisa, thank you. Mm. Rachel, how would you answer that question?
3: Yeah. Where
0: are you rooted?
3: Mm. Yeah. Um, the thing that's coming up for me right now is feeling just like really rooted in my body. Um, and I guess that's sort of a shorthand word for I mean like what is a body after all but I think about like growing food and eating food and then putting nutrients back into the ground like I, yeah being rooted in my body but it's such a permeable thing like my body is made up of this hillside where I live which is also made up when I travel mission is about an hour from my house so when I travel down to mission farm like that becomes part of my body um so that's really that's really where I'm, where I'm feeling rooted right now my body which is also the hillside where i live i've never been to killington could you tell us a little bit more about it as a place
0: i think of skiing can you tell us a little bit more about what the area is like there
2: killington is the very center of the green mountains so what you often hear it referred to as the heart of the green mountains in vermont so it's very central um in the state of vermont it is, um, Killington Peak is the second highest peak in Vermont. Um, And um, it has a population of less than a thousand people. So there aren't a lot of, there's not a lot of people here in Vermont. It's hard to get into and out of. I think um, our modern day roads are pretty uh, good, but because of the geography of this place, and um, it has traditionally been a really difficult place um to survive to live and so um uh, this ski resort which is the largest ski resort in new england it, it survives quite well here but it is um having been now at mission farm in killington for just over a year year and a half it amazes me that this place exists because it was it was not an easy place to live. It is not an easy place to live. It's still it's still 45 minutes to an hour to a grocery store. So, you know, it's not it's not it's very hard to get to. So that's part of where, what Killington is. How about you, Rachel? I'm sure you have some other things to add to that.
3: Yeah, I was thinking about it's also the ancestral homeland of the Abenaki um, people who are still active and still present. Um it has a river that runs right through it. Well, there's these crazy mountains. Well, crazy to me, but I didn't grow up in Colorado, so I don't know, the mountains look big to me, but I know the Rockies are bigger, but um, crazy mountains, and then there's a river, is it the ataquichi Yeah, Atakuchi. yeah, that runs right through it, that runs kind of actually right next to Mission Farm, right through Mission Farm. Um, so that's just a beautiful like natural highway that kind of connects Mission Farm North and South. And I know um, now our roads kind of follow the rivers, but in the last you know, thousand, 10,000 years, um, people would travel on the riverways. So Killington has, to me at least now, still that feeling of like a lot of movement through. There's a lot of coming and going and there's a core community of people who live there, but it's really pretty transient as well.
0: That's what comes to my mind. I love the picture you paint of the place. It helps me to get a sense of where you are. I haven't seen that part of Vermont, but now I'm eager to visit. Mm-hmm. Um, so you describe a lot of cre- a lot of natural elements there. So can you talk to us both of you about how creation nourishes your soul?
3: How creation nourishes my soul. Man, I love the phrasing of that. Um, the what what come what's coming to my mind is you know when I'm walking on the mountainside or around the area by the river. I mean, Mission Farm, whether it's there or somewhere else, but Mission Farm in particular just moves through so many different ecosystems. It's almost as if, if you think about a type of ecosystem, you can find it somewhere at Mission Farm. I mean, we don't have desert, but other than that, there's a lot happening. Um, And when I move through spaces like that, the way I think of it is spaces that are less heav- heavily manipulated by human hands visibly, it helps me get out of my small human stuckness. So yes, it like inspires awe. And I think about how like raw and powerful and wild God is, the what God does in creation. Um, that's all there. But it also just like, I don't know. Pulls me out of my own human paradigms and the ways that I can get stuck. Um, whether that's looking at the moss that Lisa mentioned, which is just stunning, or you know, seeing bear scat and like realizing, like, oh my gosh, I'm not the biggest baddest critter out here. Like, it's all of it. Just like helps push me out of, um, out of my humanness, which I which I get excited about. How about you, Lisa? You
2: know. Um- I'm also the vicar of the, of the church that was built here in 1895. Um, um, and so I spent a lot of time asking myself and those around me, like, how is this church and, um, and and in this time of the pandemic, it's been fascinating because we haven't been able to go in the building. And so the whole concept of church as a building has just been like, never mind. That's not what we're talking about. And so that question, um, although it's not, it's not the same question that you ask, it's certainly similar. Like like, you know, how this space calls us to be about joy? You know, like, do our churches do that? Are they calling us to be about joy? You know, that owl that I've seen every night this week along the road on my night walks, you know, that's joy. That owl is finding some good little critters out there at night. (laughs) And and it's just so great. Um, and you know, I mean, the question, like, what if church was about incarnation? Like, imagine <laughs> this amazing incarnation we see all about us, from from you know this from the from the gardens that we've cultivated to um, the the slugs that you know, kind of, I don't know where they come from at night, but they're all over the place. Um, that is pretty fabulous stuff. That feeds my soul.
1: So, um, I've got a question. Um, but you know, got to pick up on the bear scat thing. Um, just had a bear um walk down my street recently and um he pulled out our bird feeder and um our bird bath and uh and then he, you know, we know it was a bear. We didn't see him, but he left his mark. Um and we have lots of plum trees in the neighborhood, so that's why he enjoys our neighborhood and so much up here in the cascade mountains again not quite as high as the rockies but um it's fun to be around that so just had to bring that one up so um i've got a question so you're you're both farmers and priests you're farming priests priest farmers farm priests you know got all these hyphens going on um Tell talk to us a, a little bit about that in terms of your vocation and um, how you live out that vocation in the context of the Episcopal Church and the farm.
2: Well, Rachel's um, uh, t- title is actually farm priest. I don't know if she wants to to start, and I can go off of what you say, but um, well, yeah. Lisa,
1: you could you could be compost priest.
2: yes I could I've I've just recently sold my business um and Brian Brian and I've known each other for a long time and it's a question I've been asking myself for a long time like where does a farmer fit into the church I mean this is this is not a new question I think I'm so happy that more people are involved in the conversation at this point um but you know for me it just again it goes back to um that that creative spirit we're all called to be creators in some way and um what a joy it is that our church embraces that at this point we're really living into that maybe it it part of it is the pandemic part of it is being in a place called mission farm i mean you know i didn't find myself in in this place until just recently um i had my own you know compost thing going on and and felt very much like it was church um I don't know, Rachel. What do, you, what do you you have more to say about that?
3: Sure. Um, yeah. For me, like I'm trying to hold that farm farmer thing loosely um, because I know I have friends and other people in the community who you know went to college for farming and have degrees in it. I don't have any of that, so I'm I just sort of fell into gardening, and then. Um, as I was going through seminary and as I was leaving seminary, I guess I became more and more, um, I don't know, weird or niche. I don't know. But I just started getting the sense that like, if I'm following Jesus and I'm reading the gospels what I'm hearing is to like decouple myself from these systems of like exploitation of the world, of capitalism, of white supremacy, like how do I do that? in a very like material way, like that affects every part of every day of my life. And so this picture started forming as I was sitting with the, that desire and with those feelings and with the things I was reading in seminary and hearing like preached from the gospel is like, oh my God, this is every moment of every day. And the, the invitation, the answer to like, look at the ground, look at the earth, look at how I feed myself as the root of, breaches of justice I mean looking about whose land we're sitting on whose land am I farming like those kind of questions like just get right into the heart of the lament and the joy and the like it's the whole passion it's the whole crucifixion and resurrection happening like so uh, I guess that's what I say I got weirder because I just got like that's it I'm not like primarily interested in like how I can get as many yields or like how I can feed my whole community, that's beautiful. There are so many farmers that that's their vocation. For me, its it was sort of like drawn into it as a way of life because of what I was hearing in the gospel um, about how to live every moment of every day. So that's, well, that's how I got into it.
2: And we often, I think um, through this season and this is the for our first growing season at Mission Farm, um, the land has been somewhat fallow for many years. And so this is kind of our first, uh, first certainly for Rachel and I together, our first sort of partnership in exploring that. what keeps coming up for me is like what's beyond the harvest. You know, it's not like Rachel mentioned. It's not about how many pounds of tomatoes did we harvest and, and how successful were we, but what is it about the process, the practical process of engaging with the land in a way that we humans know about because we've done that for so long. What is it about that, that, and back to your original question feeds us and makes us church.
1: Like,
2: so it's kind of looking at it the
0: other way, like how as farmers, are we also priests? I love that. I feel like there is a teaching there in the church just in those two responses, because I mean, that's the kind of church I wanna go to, right, a church that actually makes those connections between the things that are so tangible and necessary for life, and yet um, is deeply rooted in our tradition. And it's not just, you know, taken from, nowhere it's it's rooted in in how we live the gospel every day but in that tactile getting your fingers in the dirt growing food working with God to create these edible sources of nourishment it's just Mm -hmm. beautiful Mm -hmm. so I have a follow-up question but I'm going to hold that off for the moment and ask you about food (laughs) because I'm thinking if you could talk about earth that beautifully I wonder what you would say to the question about what is the dish or meal that makes you just sigh with comfort? Mm.
3: Like,
0: yeah, what's your comfort food? Can you tell us about that. Oh
3: man, mine is, is really boring, but it's mac and We're cheese. Gentlemen. It's mac and cheese like I will eat. Lisa's already laughing. I can see. It. I will eat mac and cheese for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner. If it's a meal and there's macaroni and cheese near me, I'm a happy camper. I just want mac and cheese. And I would love to say that I'm like, well, so Jonathan and I at our home, we have a dairy cow. So mocha, the cow supplies beautiful milk to make cheese and beautiful like cream sauce and all this, but do I want that? No, I want like a box of Annie's mac and cheese it's so bad i I like judge myself so much but it's my favorite i just love it so much especially if it's like the little farm shapes with the little carrots and the little animals i just love that
0: i'm sorry i said i wasn't gonna judge but i'm laughing because i'm thinking surely of all the amazing cheeses that i search up and down the midwest for from vermont but i also just bought that box of annie's with the barn shapes for my son's So I get it.
3: (laughs) They're so fun.
0: Right. Okay. Lisa, you're going to top that. What's your comfort? Um, well, so I, I think it, it
2: depends. I mean, in the summer it's, there's nothing like a, you know, a salad with the greens right from the garden. I mean, there's just nothing. I mean, even, I don't even need it in a bowl. I just walk through the garden. I just like, just mm. chomp it as I walk. And that's always been true for me. And in the winter, a bowl of soup. I mean, oh my goodness, like sitting in front, especially <laughs> here in Killington where we're just really, we get so cold you know, that you kind of have to have a bowl of soup in, on your lap and a good loaf of crusty bread, which is one thing that we are, we are praying about because we have a bakery here at Mission Farm as well. Um, and we're looking and seeking, this is an advertisement, now I'm doing a commercial, a baker to come in and bake nice crusty loaves of French bread for us right here. So come on. Yeah.
0: love it oh my gosh sounds
1: delicious i I gotta ask about sheep um and you know sheep poop and stray sheep so talk to us we want to hear about your sheep (laughs) you know the story about the sheep
2: you know the story about the
0: sheep i kind of know a little bit about it but fill us in yeah, I know nothing about the sheep. So, do tell. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!
2: Rachel, would you like to start? No, I was, no, no. I was
3: gonna say, Lisa, what happened with the sheep?
0: <laughs> so, um,
2: <laughs> so we had arranged um, um, a beautiful donation from a local farmer um, as we were um, as we were planning a regenerative move on the farm to to get some of the soil back into shape. Um, three um, lambs to come and and live here for the summer and graze. And the weekend after we got those sheep, it was a Sunday morning and um, our congregation has been meeting um, in the orchard uh, during COVID. And so we were all outdoors. Um, We actually, it's a wonderful, the chickens join us and it's it's kind of, it's chicken church actually, back to the farmer question, it's beautiful thing. Um, And this particular Sunday, um, and the sheep were brand new. Mm -hmm. They had electric fence around them, but a dog jumped over the fence, and the sheep ran out. So after the service, the congregation all kind of went up to kind of help herd the sheep back into their fencing. But the sheep had other ideas. They went on the lamb, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. I actually had to leave town immediately after, so I wasn't even here for all of this. They walked over Killington Mountain, over 15 miles. Jennifer, you'd be able to appreciate the kind of mileage they put on in a week as a runner, as a marathon runner. They walked, and of course, everybody has cameras right and so the whole town of killington was following these sheep through they went like over the ski area Mm -hmm. to the other side of the mountain to a whole nother mountain Mm -hmm. and a week after they escaped um, and there were calls back and forth and lots of sightings and and rachel and the interns would go and try to get them and they would they would leave again Mm-hmm. Uh, they were living their best life on the on the hillsides of the Green Mountain. <laughs> One afternoon, um, somebody called the Vicarage phone. My uh, 20-year-old son was here. He picked up the phone and they said, we've got him in the parking lot. And he mm-hmm. Zipped down there in his old 30-year-old Volvo and grabbed him, stuck him in the back, brought him back. There mm-hmm. are lots of details along the way with that, but they came home. Uh-huh.
1: There's a lot of sermons in that story.
2: It's a little early still. It's a
0: little early
1: still. <laughs> well,
0: I also just love that they were brought back in a Volvo, which makes it the most Vermont story ever. <laughs> How to stay on brand.
3: So real.
2: I don't know, you might add some more details, but that is it in a nutshell.
3: That is it. I mean, that's just my that was just my favorite part. Is like, well, there was so much like back and forth, like on the phone with the dispatch for the mountain because the mountain, um, Killington Mountain, the resort was so generous. They were like on the phone back and forth. They had people on four wheeler four wheelers like riding all over the mountain trying to be sheep. So I'm like on the phone, on the phone, on the phone, get over. It. And then they just like pull up in the car and, like <laughs> and all the three sheep in the back, and we we're like, how in the world? did this even happen? And we actually had a little party because it became such a thing on um, Facebook. People were just posting pictures, posting pictures. They got like this persona through the Facebook group for Killington locals. So we threw this little party um, and we had like a celebration cake. I asked the bakery like what kind of a cake one should eat when one has found their sheep. And they were like, strawberry? So we had this, like, beautiful strawberry cake, and it was really fun, and, uh, yeah, a little community moment.
1: So, you know, I think... Yeah, it just sounds You good. probably piqued the interest yeah. of a lot of our listeners, because you mentioned inter, and um, mm-hmm. I get constant calls, it seems like, of people in seminary or college, they, or they want to go get their hands dirty somewhere, so... Tell us a little bit about the intern program. Sure. A little bit.
3: Yep, yep. So this summer we had three interns. They all happened to be from Divinity Schools. Um, We had two women from Yale Divinity School and one man from Virginia Theological Seminary. And this was our inaugural year. It was sort of a, why don't you all come up? We know we've got a mountain. We know we've got some food to put in the ground. We know we like praying other than that, it's really going to be a choose your own adventure and like, let's build something together. So we spent the pe. they arrived in Pentecost and the end of the internship was transfiguration. So it was this like, Whoa, theological moment kind of fun. Um, and we really built this program, um, on what those three people wanted to lean into and, um, what felt nourishing and, um, how they wanted to structure I, there were a couple gui- like guidelines I guess around we do have some plants we need to get in the ground that would be great and we're gonna have to like harvest them that would be great um, and the care for the animals but apart from that it was really let's let's figure out a rhythm of life let's figure out um, how to balance prayer and work so we really leaned into that sort of um, aura and labora Benedictine. That's right. It's Benedictine, right? Yeah. Yeah. That one. Um, yeah. So we don't know who knows what next summer is going to look like. Um, we're still, we've got planning and processing. We've got a lot to just like pray over, but this summer, that's how it looked and it was beautiful.
0: It's great. Well, I appreciate Brian, you getting us back on track because I was picturing all kinds of, you know, booths on the mountains that the sheep could have built. The fact that they all came back together is a, a, another thing. So I, There's all of this, I mean, you've got so much rich stuff to work with as you think about forming Christian community and between the interns, being vicar at the parish. I just wonder about how this um, experience of being priests who farm, farmer priests, how does this filter into the formation of that community? Because as Rachel described um, some things, I thought, oh, that's the church I'd want to go to. Is that how church actually is Are you making these connections for people, or are they making them themselves as they experience life on the farm with you? Can you talk about what that looks like, formation? Yeah,
2: I, I mean, it's kind of been, um, you know, I, I mean, I've been ordained 27 years, and it has been um, like the penultimate experience because um, it has been, you know, chicken church in an orchard. That is really what we are. So every Sunday we gather. Um, this is a very small community, as I mentioned before. There, there. You know it's there aren't a lot of residents here so it's people coming in so our outreach has had to really be as much as possible online, we had a wonderful last winter season was all zoom, of course, and so. um, That gave us a whole new kind of congregation, but to be able to gather with people outdoors in all the elements with the chickens at our feet, with bread made from, you know, the honey from our bees and, um, and, and wine. And it was it's just been an amazing experience. And I think it has been an, something new. And as, um, as a priest in this space, I think it's my biggest hope that we can find what the church is emerging into in places like Mission Farm. You know, places like this where people don't come with a preconceived idea of membership and of obligation and of work, but actually come to the joy of what it means to be the beloved community. That's my hope, and it's felt that way most Sundays, Um, and it makes me very nervous to be moving back inside because temperatures are going to be below zero, but we'll do what we can do as long as we can outside.
0: Well, first of all, I want to say that these podcasts are too short because I feel like we are just just getting to the good stuff with Lisa and Rachel, but I'm sorry that we have to bring our time to a close. Um, I want to thank you for being with us for this third episode. And we'll look forward to the the, the fruits and the the sheep and all the stuff that's to come, the, the, the harvest to come out of Mission Farm. So thank you for being with us. So this wraps up, indeed, our third episode. If you want to connect with us, you can find us hanging out most days on the Agrarian Ministries of the Episcopal Church Facebook page. Or you can also learn about us and find a link to more information about the things we're talking about on our website. And we are at spadespoonsoul at gmail.com if you want to send us a note. And um, come visit visit us on the Facebook page so we can have a conversation about all the deliciousness that we're serving up here.
1: So I I really want to thank our producer, uh, Derek Weston, and uh, Ryan Lee, who's our groovy musician for our theme song, and the multi-talented Jay Seidbotham, who did our art. He's another one of these hyphenated Episcopal clergy people. He's a cartoonist priest. I didn't say cartoon priest, cartoonist priest, and to the Good News Garden initiative of the Episcopal Church, which is our first sponsor. Uh, and You can find a link uh, with more information on Mission Farm and Good News Gardens in the show notes.
0: All right, friends, until next time, we hope you'll find a way to connect your soul to your spade or your spoon or both. Be well.